spring? Is that you? Warmer temps mean new Allbirds styles. Meet the Super Light Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. These must-have travel shoes have a lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit that made them the most packable shoes ever. That means more comfort and less baggage. Try the Super Light Tree Runner with a cushy foam midsole and breathable eucalyptus fiber upper. Plus, they're comfy right out of the box. So what can you do in a Super Light shoe? What can't you do is the better question. And because they're super packable, the real question is, where are you taking them? Experience how Allbirds redefines comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com. Code SUPER24. Hello, this is the Dear Deirdre podcast with me, Sally Land, the Sun's resident agony aunt. Yes, we're taking the Sun's legendary agony aunt advice column from the page to podcast. Every episode, I'll be giving my advice on your real life dilemmas. We'll be covering everything from sex and relationships to money and careers to managing your mental health and much, much more. And I won't be doing it alone, as each week I'll be joined by special expert guests and some of your favourite celebs too. So, if you're struggling with a problem and feel like you need some advice, the Dear Deirdre team is here to help. You can send your problems to Deirdre at the-sun.co.uk. We answer every single letter sent to us and there's no problem too big, too small or too embarrassing. But for now, it's on with the show. Please note that in this episode, we will be exploring themes that can be sensitive for some listeners. Exact timings on topics can be found in the show notes. This week, we're delving into a topic which for a lot of us is the last taboo sex and porn addiction. We'll be addressing your letters on how addiction to porn can lead to the breakdown of relationships, extreme sexual fetishes spiralling into abuse, and we question whether modern porn is influencing people's ideology of a normal sex life. And joining me today to give her expert advice is the fantastic Dr Paula Hall, Paula Hall is a sexual and relationship psychotherapist who has over 15 years experience of working with people affected by sex addiction and porn addiction. Welcome on the Dear Deirdre podcast, Paula. Would you let us know what people's reaction to you is like when you when you <laughs> let them know what you do? Oh gosh, well it's it's either the the conversation dies instantly. Oh yes. Oh and that's it. Or there's kind of fascination and titillation, I think, would be like, oh, really? Oh, what's that like? It's not taken very seriously. Mm. I think some people are a bit nervous about it, a bit anxious about it. And some people think, oh, do you work with paedophiles then? So there's an automatic assumption that I'm working with offenders. Straight to the dark end. Quite, yeah. quite. And for others, it's a bit of fun. It's seen as a bit silly. Yeah, that's interesting. I was expecting you to have a Marmite reaction, either or end. Yeah, indeed, indeed. And for anybody who's listening, would you be able to explain to us what is sex addiction? What is porn addiction? 
Let me start by saying, actually, the label addiction is quite controversial. So it's yeah. not technically an addiction. It's technically a compulsion. But having said that, the vast majority of the population use the word addiction. And really, it's a term that describes any behaviour that you are unable to stop or reliably stay stopped that is causing problems within your life. So in some respects, we, we could say that's about anything. If you're, you know, if you're repeatedly doing an activity that actually is causing you a lot of harm, but you can't stop it, you start craving it, you start wanting more and more of it, then we start using the language of addiction. Yeah. The actual type of behaviour is kind of irrelevant. So when we talk about sex addiction, really, it's an umbrella term for any kind of sexual behaviour. And I guess one of the biggest misconceptions about sex addiction is that it's actually got anything to do with sex, because mm. it hasn't. In the same way as people who might eat for comfort, people that use sex for comfort aren't doing it out of appetite. They're doing it because actually they're trying to escape other things in their life. And we often hear about porn addiction and sex addiction yeah. within the same sentence and breadth. Do the two lead into each other? They How do. The, yeah, the reason that I often use the term porn addiction separately, there's a, a lot of people out there, as you can imagine, using a lot of porn who say, well, but this isn't sex. There's no partner involved. It's just me. And indeed, I work with a heck of a lot of people who've become addicted to pornography who've never had a sexual relationship ever so actually to label it a sex addiction feels feels quite offensive to them they'd love to be able to have sex but they can't because they've become so addicted to porn yeah so it's important to kind of make the distinction but really it is about any kind of sexual behavior and in my experience the vast majority of people that become addicted to sex have done so through pornography so pornography is almost the gateway drug if you like and it starts off with the images and the videos and then it might go to the chat and then it starts going to the webcams and then it starts going to the adult app and then before you know it you're actually meeting somebody offline yeah real world indeed partners indeed. often affairs etc yeah yeah it's really interesting as well you were saying about the sort of two polarized reactions to what you mm. do if you were to think about those two reactions what is it that you would like to achieve through your work for me the most important thing is that we recognize the damage that this is doing to people's lives the real damage not just to the people that become addicted but also to their families certainly to their partners but to to wider families as well this is a mental health problem and i think one of the biggest challenges for me is it so often becomes a moral debate so many times I've been invited to join some kind of anti-porn rally because there's an assumption that if I work in this field then I must be anti-porn but if I was working in alcohol addiction that wouldn't mean that I'm automatically anti-alcoholic the, the morality is a completely different aspect and what I want people to really hear and understand is that this is a serious mental health problem that is massively escalating and impacting thousands and thousands of people's lives. Mm, yeah and I think if you treat it as a moral issue then you're not actually going to tackle the shame which is absolutely and the, the the people get lost as soon as we start getting into moral debates the actual hardship the real hardship that people are suffering gets lost and it makes it so much harder for people to reach out for help if they think they're going to be judged if they think they're going to be laughed at it is very hard to reach out for help and of course you know a lot of people will have an impression of what a porn addict, what a sex addict 
looks like. You know, somebody sleazy, somebody who's constantly going to brothel, somebody yeah. who doesn't take any care of their appearance or treat other people particularly well. Could you tell us from your own experience, actually, who are they? <laughs> <laughs> Who are they? First thing I want to say is they're not just men. Yes, thank you. It's very easy to assume that this is just a male problem. Yeah, yep. all of the research that's been done indicates that about 30% of people that struggle with sex and porn addiction are women. Yeah, uh, They don't tend to come forward for help as often, and that's a whole other topic probably. But certainly this affects men and women. The age range Generally, the people that approach our services are over the age of 18, but that's because we're a therapy agency. It's the kind of practice that we run. But really, it's anything from sort of 13, 14-year-olds that are getting caught up and struggling with this issue right through to 70 and 80-year-olds. The common denominator, I'm often asked about the common denominator, and the only one I can give you is that they're breathing. Apart from that, it can affect anybody and everybody. There is no type, There is, is there? absolutely no type. And that cuts across class, background, geographical, absolutely. gender. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. And sexual orientation as well, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I have read a quite frightening stat that half of 11 to 13-year-olds watch porn. It is scary and the vast majority won't get addicted though. Yeah. So just to hold that balance, yeah. I would imagine that probably more than 50% of drunk alcohol is yes. considerably more. But they're not likely to get addicted. As long as we can put education in place and as long as uh, young people are cared for in an appropriate way and they're given good education, the vast majority won't become addicted. But I guess that's the challenge that we have at the moment as a society with sex and porn addiction is that we don't have any porn-aware campaigns. As you say, it's still, it's still a bit of a taboo. We still don't really talk about porn no people are frightened to talk about porn yeah and i think that's because of the morality around it we're worried if we start talking about it that people will judge us yeah yeah absolutely and you touched earlier on the um the split between men and women that actually there are female consumers of porn i think recent estimates of 40 percent of women will admit to watching porn and the interesting words there are will admit because there's more stigma around (laughs) women talking about it and you also touched on you see less women presenting than men but you obviously do get some women coming to you as well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I also have a hypothesis that actually if you're a female sex addict, you're probably going to be the other side of the camera when it comes to porn. So, uh, the you know, of all of these sites, the vast majority of the material that's out there is targeted at men yeah. and it is representing women. And, you know, if, if you're addicted, it's the opportunity to get paid for it as well, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, yeah, definitely. We get a lot of letters that porn and sex addiction is definitely a strong theme within the letters, relationship breakdowns, people who are lonely, don't know how to form relationships, Mm. sex addicts, porn addicts. So it would be fantastic to get your take on some of our letters. Absolutely. Very happy to help. So our first letter is from a young man. He lost his first serious relationship because she'd had enough of his porn addiction Mm. and he's now worried that the same is going to happen with his second serious relationship. Dear Deirdre, I'm worried I'll end up with nothing if I don't sort out my porn addiction. I've watched it daily since the age of 15. My older brother, who was 17, introduced me to it and all my mates started watching it around the same time. I'm a 29-year-old dad now, so surely it's time to get this under control. 
I've had a few girlfriends over the years, but porn has always been a big part of my life. My first serious girlfriend, who is also the mum of my little girl, split up with me because she'd had enough of the porn. She caught me on numerous occasions watching it when we were in bed together. I thought she was asleep. She knew I watched it on my breaks at work. I'm a delivery driver. I did try to stop, but no matter how I tried, it always crept back in. Consequentially, when my little girl was three, my ex left me. I've met a really lovely woman now, who is the same age as me. We've been together a year, but we're on a break. She's an air hostess, so I've been left to my own devices a lot. My porn consumption has rocketed again. She's told me that unless I can get this sorted, she won't be coming back. I'm ashamed to admit that some days I watch porn at least seven times. I've already lost my ex and daughter. I really don't want to lose my girlfriend as well. What can I do? Gosh, this is such a typical story, isn't it? Such a typical. And I think one of the the real challenges is that so many people don't realise how big a problem it is until they've lost a relationship or they've lost a job. It doesn't have the same side effects as sort of drinking alcohol, taking drugs. You don't have the come down. You don't have the hangover. So, yeah, this is a, a really, really common story. And, yeah, to lose a second relationship because of this would be so, so sad and, and so unnecessary. I mean, the the very obvious answer is you need to stop. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, yeah. I guess guess he's tried that a lot of times. Yeah. And I think the thing to understand is that two things need to happen when you're trying to, to beat porn, when you're trying to quit it. One is very, very practical strategies for stopping. So that is going to be things like putting porn blockers on your phone, put all your devices, making it as hard as possible to access pornography. And there's all sorts of different things out there you can do that. Learning to identify what your triggers are, times when you're vulnerable. So he mentioned in breaks on the deliveries, so you need to really plan ahead, think about other things you can do during that time. So really, really practical strategies and techniques. But the other thing is looking at what's going on underneath. So we know that all addictions really are anaesthetics. They're kind of a way of numbing something else. So what's going on? Is this to do with low self-esteem? Is this to do with kind of a sense of boredom, of emptiness, of loss? What's actually going on underneath that you're trying to numb out? And often what people find is that initially they're not aware of that stuff at all. But when they do stop, and maybe they've been stopped for a few weeks that is when it becomes aware. So the anaesthetic's worn off. That is when they start getting in touch with the anxiety or the depression or the anger or the low self-esteem or whatever it is. And you need to really look at how you can address those issues as well so you can stay stopped. Thank you. Those are really good practical tips. I know you've spoken before about it's going back to the dopamine hit, isn't it? And once you can wean yourself off that then the memory gets less and less. Absolutely. I mean, unfortunately, you do have to go through a bit of a pain threshold when Mm. you give up any kind of sort of behaviour that's become compulsive. There are going to be times when you crave it, and that is because of missing that dopamine hit in your brain. And there's some other things you can do. There's other ways of getting dopamine. You can, you know have a game of Tetris on your phone, something like that, phone a friend, go out for a run. But nothing is quite like the hit that you can get through porn. And I I think that's, that's something you have to face, is that there is going to be a loss for a while. But gradually, as your body and your brain starts becoming more and more accustomed to not having that regular hit, then actually the craving begins to wear off. So is that about replacing the original addiction 
for something more positive, not another addiction. <laughs> no, preferably not gambling, not, yeah. not drinking, exercise. As you yeah, said. it's it's about developing a healthy lifestyle. I think if you don't, then what you end up doing. I always talk to my clients about the difference between sobriety and recovery, and sobriety is just stopping. But it's hell, frankly. Every day you're thinking about it, you're white-knuckling it, you're, you're wondering if you can get through another day, you're counting days. Recovery is all about what you take up, not what you give up. So recovery is about building a life where your addictive behaviours no longer have space. So actually, in those breaks between deliveries, there's something else you always do. And yeah, you've got a new healthy regime, you're eating healthily, you're sleeping well, you're spending lots of time with friends, you've got positive activities and hobbies. You've got a vision for the life you want to lead. You're spending really good quality time with family. And as those things sort of become more and more dominant in your life, you'll notice the craving for the addiction gets less and less. Yeah, I love that. So you're squeezing out the addiction space for positive absolutely absolutely i remember years ago a client saying to me i've made a decision he said i counted up how many hours i spent on my addiction each week and i've decided it was a lot of hours and i've decided that i need to spend exactly the same amount of time on doing positive things really simple and obvious when Brilliant. he said it but boy that was the yeah. real turning point for that guy someone who'd been trying to give up for years absolute turning point when he started doing that looking at that mountain of time that he was losing yeah, yeah. focus on what you want to take up not just what you want to give up yeah brilliant i love that thank you on to our second letter this is from a man who's having performance issues his girlfriend is getting incredibly frustrated with him she's turned to porn getting into more and more extreme porn and wants him to be a part of this new taste that she has. Dear Deirdre, my girlfriend has turned to porn because she's annoyed and frustrated by my poor performance in bed and I've been having some erection problems. I am scared that I disappoint her, even though I tried to please her with sexually with toys, my hands and oral sex. She likes watching extreme porn with men much larger than me, which is affecting my confidence. She's also into BDSM, and she wants us to try it. I'm happy to experiment with some milder elements, but she wants to properly hurt me. We've tried blindfolds, whips and handcuffs, even paddles, but now she's got into CBT, cock and bull torture porn, and she wants to try it on me. She's particularly into the idea of kicking me in the balls, and I don't want anything to do with it. The thought of it turns me stomach, and I'm scared that if I don't do anything, then she says she'll find another man to help her with her fantasies. We've been together for 12 years, and we've got two girls aged nine and seven. It's an extreme one. It is an extreme one. It's really interesting, because you started talking about that. We all have different tastes, yeah? yeah? And something that, you know, comes up a lot just in my general kind of psych psychotherapy work would be couples that have different tastes, yeah. different sexual tastes, and how, how do you work that out? You know, what do you do? But actually, this sounds a bit more like it is an escalation of addiction 
for her because it doesn't sound as though it's something that's always been there. So what we know also about porn addiction particularly, and there's been quite a lot of research showing this, is that your brain gets used to a certain level of arousal, that dopamine hit. As you get more and more used to that, you need more of it in order to get the same impact. So it's a bit like developing tolerance for alcohol. That, you know, It starts off one glass of wine is enough and then you need two, then three, and then it's the bottle. So it's a very similar kind of process that it happens and it sounds like what he's describing is actually escalation. Yeah. And the thing is, it's not necessarily going to have a limit. So even if he did want to go along with CBT, and thanks for that, I thought it was cognitive behavioural therapy in my book, and that's clearly not <laughs> that's what the other into. one. <laughs> my worry would be that that wouldn't be enough, and then it will be something else and something else. I guess what I want to say is that really this needs to start with sitting down with her with a really serious conversation about our relationship. Where is love in this? Where is mutual respect? This is not a positive sex life. Positive sex should be mutually enjoyable. It is respectful. And actually trying to coerce your partner into something else. By the sound of it, trying to shame him into something else. No wonder he's got performance problems, bless him. Yeah. Um, trying to shame your partner into doing something else in pressurising them, that's not okay. That is not positive sexuality. And I think they really need to sit down and look at what is most important in their relationship. And is this kind of sex more important than the relationship to her? If it is then it's time to walk away. I mean, that, which is such a shame with two children. But hopefully, hopefully that will make her see that actually sex shouldn't be more important than us. Yeah, yeah. those other tastes, those other fantasies, those other things, they shouldn't be more important than us. And the family. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And I'm really pleased you talked about that, the sort of almost the algorithm of porn, how it serves up sort of increasingly yeah. more extreme porn to keep viewers hooked in. We definitely see a lot of and this. And that's the marketing. Pure Mo- and simple marketing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. As people will, will undoubtedly know, I'm sure who are listening to this, the vast majority of pornography is free. How do they make money? Well, yeah. I'll tell you how they make money, by getting you to the paid-for services and the paid-for sites. And that is through knowing that you're going to escalate, knowing that if we drip-feed you this, you're then going to want something else and something else. And over time, we can ensure you're reaching for your credit card, you're signing up to a subscription, and we're getting money. That's what it's all about. Yeah, that's simple. Do you get a lot of couples like this where you perhaps get one person coming to you worried about what's happening and actually the main issue is with the other member of the couple yeah it's a tricky one of course because when you're only hearing one side of the Mm. story and you 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 really can't diagnose you know uh, somebody you've never even met or spoken to we do get people contacting us who who really are the worried well yeah you know we do occasionally get my husband wants sex once a week you know he must be an addict and it's like oh no really not necessarily i don't really don't think it works like that you know if we have a difference in desire or if he wants to watch pornography then he must be addicted and it takes considerably more than that and I think because escalation is often so gradual it's often only with hindsight when you look back and you think hold on how did we get here yeah how did you get here yeah 
It's, Why are you looking at swinger sites and now asking me to go to a swinging yeah, yeah. party? And it will and have happened little step by yeah. little step by little step by little step. It's not just an overnight change. And I think, again, that's one of the indicators that this is an escalation of addiction, that you're you're kind of noticing the, the temperature is being turned up and up and up. And yeah. actually, and now this is just yeah. too hot. This is just not bearable for us. Yeah, and... I think you're absolutely right when you think about this scenario where she's pressurising, she's coercing him yeah, into things absolutely. he doesn't want to do. It's actually abusive. Yes, indeed. And he needs to, to stop her. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And it's confronting and it's so easy to get caught up in your own, well, maybe I should be more adventurous. Maybe it's me. Yes. Maybe yes. it's me. I'm being too vanilla. Yes. But actually, it doesn't matter which way round it is it's got to be about mutual respect and mutual pleasure and yeah. why would somebody want you to do something sexual that you wouldn't enjoy where's the fun for them in you doing something that's not enjoyable in for hurting you? in yeah. hurting someone you're supposed to love so yeah. yeah i wanted to ask you those people who get in contact with you asking you i think my husband's a sex mm. addict he wants it once a week or <laughs> yeah are they older are they younger is it a mix of ages Quite a mix, actually. Wow. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I suppose I was also thinking, oh, no, I suppose that. Oh, but actually, no, that's that's not necessarily the case at all. Generally, there is a difference. I think the, the, the younger generation who've been brought up with pornography, where it's been accessible, brought up with smartphones, there's an expectation that their partner looks at porn sometimes. Yeah. And an expectation perhaps of different sorts of practices, different sorts of, yeah, just different expectations perhaps than the older generation. So they may be less likely to get in contact, but that's certainly not always the case. Not always the case at all. I think what partners notice sometimes is when there's been a, a, a change, which is a bit a bit of what we were kind of hearing from the last the last listener, when there's been a change in the other one's behaviour, sometimes that is indicative of addiction, which I think would be you know our hypothesis on the last one. But actually, sometimes it is a problem within the relationship. Yeah. And sometimes that you do need to look at that kind of stuff as well. At both aspects. Yeah. 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 Coming up next, we have a man who struggles to get an erection when he has sex because of his excessive pornography use. And we question how porn is influencing people's ideology of a normal sex life. We've just heard from a couple who hit a rough patch in their sex life from an obsessive interest in hardcore porn. Now it's time to take a listen to a letter from a young woman who's feeling under pressure to seem more sexually adventurous. Dear Deirdre, I sent new pictures of myself to a boy I was talking to because I thought I needed to be more sexually confident to attract a boyfriend. I'm 18 and this boy is 19. We met on a dating app two weeks ago. I had previously been chatting to a different guy who told me I was too vanilla for him. I think it's because I didn't want phone sex on our second chat. He told me he was looking for someone really sexy and confident, so I thought if I sent risque photos to the new boy, maybe he would think differently. I confided in one of my two best friends, who was visibly shocked and disappointed in me for sending these pictures. Now I feel really bad not only for sending the photos, but also for letting down my friend. I wish I could take the photos back. What are your thoughts? 
there isn't a time machine, so there's no point in regretting what you have done. Unfortunately, yeah. that's that that's happened. Now. Put it down to experience. Absolutely, absolutely. It is really challenging, isn't it, with these apps? And I think the important thing to ask yourself is why am I on this site in the first place? Am I looking for a relationship or am I looking for casual sex? If you're looking for a relationship and that person is questioning your sexual tastes and your sexual adventurousness in the second chat, you're talking to the wrong person. End of. Next conversation, please. If you're looking for sex, if that's what you want is casual sex, then answer the questions. Go ahead, fill your boots, do what you like. But if you're looking for a relationship, those are the people to turn down. People use these apps for a number of different reasons, and some absolutely, and this includes, of course, people that become addicted to them, but includes a whole load of other people as well, where it's just their hobby. It's just about sex. That's all they want, and they, they want to find out what you're into as soon as possible. And if you're not up for it, someone else will be. They don't want a relationship. Don't kid yourself. Yeah, I think that's... Hold your boundaries. Great advice, isn't it? Just be really clear on what you want. Absolutely. And stick to it. And it's almost the modern day equivalent of, I know when I was younger, you'd get labelled frigid if you wouldn't do certain things. And now it's vanilla, isn't it? Where a lot of young women feel they have to perform in certain ways. And, should say, young men as well. Yes, indeed. Because the pressure is there. Absolutely. for, For both. Yeah. Paula, I remember when I came to listen to you, you were talking about how porn is affecting young people's abilities to make relationships. Mm. Do you feel that that still stands, the fact that porn is so readily available, they're learning about this ideal of sex before they're learning even how to have a relationship and then have sex? I think the challenge we, we have with pornography is that... Is, is the lack of education. And I think pornography potentially creates all sorts of issues and problems in society. And being able to establish relationships is one of those issues. And there's, there's a whole load of others for both men and women, boys and girls. Um, and I think the, the only way we can really get around that is through education. Yeah. And I think there are plenty of young people out there and I think we do a disservice to assume that all young people are negatively influenced by porn because there's a lot of young people out there who know it's not real and they get very tired of us grown-ups going oh you do realize real life's not like that oh my goodness you'll be telling me EastEnders isn't real next as well they know they know it's edited highlights they look at it for entertainment they are not looking at it to make any comparison to their real relationships and indeed wouldn't want it to be like that yeah but yes some young people are more vulnerable than others and we need to be sure and that's why I'm a real fan of age verification software and we need to be sure that we're able to protect particularly the more vulnerable people within our society thank you Paula let's have a listen to our final letter which comes from a man who's struggling to keep an erection when he has sex with his wife although he has no problems at all when he's actually watching porn Dear Deirdre, I struggle to get an erection because of all the porn I watch each week. My wife's 29 and I'm 31. We've been married for three years and everything's great between us, until we try to have sex. I don't easily get aroused when we try and even if I can, my erection only lasts for a couple of minutes. It leaves my wife feeling frustrated and upset. I'm beginning to think she won't put up with this much longer. Even before I married, I thought I was becoming addicted to porn. 
but now as soon as I get any free time, I watch it. The last thing I need is to lose my marriage. Is there any way I can quit watching it and get my stamina back? This is such a common problem and often it's not being able to get an erection which is kind of what gets guys' attention and gets them actually beginning to think about the pornography because they have no problem with the porn Yeah. so they know it's not, you know, it's not biological they know it's not a physical dysfunction because as soon as they turn the porn on again bam, no problem at all To explain it I often use a food metaphor and what I say is if you start putting red chilli sauce on whatever you eat then actually you start getting used to it being hot. Yeah. So after a while you need to put more on and more on and more on and more on. And what you're doing actually is numbing your taste buds. Yeah. And then what happens is that actually you're just trying to eat something, you know, an ordinary steak pie or whatever, and you can barely taste it at all. It's completely bland because you've got so used to hot chilli sauce. And that's what pornography is. You get so used to that stimuli from pornography, your penis literally gets so used to it that when you take it away and it's just (laughs) bland meat pie, sorry, it sounds like an awful metaphor now for a partner, (laughs) but (laughs) I wish I thought something better. Anyway, Chicken um, korma rather than vindaloo. (laughs) Then actually it's not, it it just doesn't work. And then you add the anxiety on top of that because you still love your partner, you still want to be intimate with your partner, but you can't because you're just not getting the level of stimuli that your body has got used to. The good news is if you stop using the chilli sauce after a while your taste buds will come back they will it takes time but absolutely it can come back and I think one of the mistakes I hear that a lot of guys make is that they start using fantasy instead but if you're fantasizing about something you're actually keeping exactly the same neural pathways going as if you're actually addicted you need to drop the fantasy you need to drop looking at the porn and start focusing on being fully present with your partner and have a conversation about it. And I think once your partner understands that you really are working on this, you can overcome it. You really can. That's really interesting, isn't it? It's like actually be in the moment and enjoy the moment. Absolutely. And I think that it's a classic when you stop worrying about not getting an erection, you're more likely to get one. But it will take time. But you absolutely need to quit the porn and you need to go through that period of cold turkey. Yes. But there are, you know, I can tell you the story of, you know, literally hundreds and hundreds of guys who have got their mojo back and the best thing they ever did was give up porn. I often say to guys, you know, the goal of recovery is to make your sex life better than it has ever been. And often in the early stages, there's a real fear that I'll never enjoy sex again. Uh Uh-uh. No, the goal is to make it better than you ever could have imagined. So you're never going to want this rubbishy junk food porn again. Yeah, well, that's quite a carrot. That's encouraging, isn't it? A, you can get over a carrot. It. It's more than a carrot, so <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely better than a meat pie as well. <laughs> yeah, I think that's fantastic to know that. Yes, you can sort it, and even better than that, the cherry on the top. It's going to be better than it was Absolutely. before. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Thank you, Paula. And you've actually been working on a really interesting project, haven't you? I have indeed. Would you be able to tell me a little bit more about that? Yes, I can, with pleasure. (laughs) So, yeah, I've been clinical director of the Laurel Centre for about 15 years now, and we're the, the biggest practice in the UK providing therapy for people with sex and porn addiction. There's a team of about 25 of us now. Wow. But we get inundated with requests for people who just can't afford therapy. 
They just can't afford it. It's just not accessible. And also, frankly, not everybody needs it. Not everybody needs to sit and, you know, go into the depths and look at the underlying issues and so on and so forth. For some people, it's it's actually too much. So I've, I've had a dream for a long time to be able to provide a, a really good low cost service. So yeah, absolutely thrilled to announce the launch of Pivotal Recovery. So Pivotal Recovery is a new not-for-profit community interest company and I was really delighted to set it up as a community interest company because it is in the interest of community and Pivotal Recovery is offering a 60-day very very low-cost accessible anonymous service to recover from sex and porn addiction so yeah do check it out. Yeah that sounds absolutely fantastic for our listeners in particular to be able to access something like that so easily. Paula, if there's one piece of advice you could give somebody who's either worried about their own porn addiction or sex addiction or perhaps for their partner, what would your advice be? Just keep finding solutions. You can get over it. You know, I see so many people who have been stuck with this problem for years. Just get up again, try again, find another service, find another resource. You can do it. You can beat it. Yeah, brilliant. Thank you so much for coming in today. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks so much to you for listening and to Dr. Paula Hall for being such a great company and sharing her expert advice on porn and addiction. We've tackled concerns from a man whose addiction to porn was destroying his relationship, shared our best advice on how to avoid feeling pressurised in your sexual relationships and given tools to anyone listening who is struggling to enjoy a healthy sex life after watching too many explicit videos. If you're struggling with a problem and feel like you need some advice, the Dear Deirdre team is here to help. Just send your problems to deardeirdre at the-sun.co.uk. And remember, you can read Dear Deirdre every day at thesun.co.uk forward slash dear-deirdre or by picking up a copy of The Sun. Our advice page is packed full of support and extra resources, which can help you with your own challenges. Before you go, don't forget to click follow so you never miss an episode and if you have a spare moment maybe you could give us a rating and leave us a review this boost of appreciation all helps so that other people who are seeking advice can find us on their podcast app i'll be back next week for another episode of answering your dilemmas but for now i'm sally land and this has been dear deirdre